Grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like you to turn your attention again to our gospel lesson in Mark chapter 7, as we're reminded that Jesus does everything well. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Through the prophet Isaiah. God had foretold that when the Messiah came, the eyes of the blind would be opened, the ears of the deaf would be unstopped, the lame would leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. When people brought their friend who was deaf and mute to Jesus, and he healed them, even the people of the Decapolis, people who were mostly Gentiles, not Old Testament Christians, they they got it. They made the connection. He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak, they said. But did they really understand the full meaning of what they were saying when they said Jesus does everything well? Did they really show that they agreed that everything that Jesus said and did was good? We ask ourselves the same question. We say Jesus does everything well, but do our words and actions always show that we agree that everything that Jesus says and does is good? Consider how Jesus did everything well when he healed this man. Imagine a man who is deaf and unable to speak, who's having some friends take him somewhere where he doesn't really know where he's going, They can't really explain to him what they're doing, why they're doing it, who Jesus is. I imagine he was kind of confused and probably afraid. But consider the the love of Jesus. As this man comes to him, he, he takes him aside, away from the crowd, away from the distractions, and calms his fears. He kind of uses a sign language, puts his fingers in his ears, indicating, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do something about those ears. I know they don't work. And he touches his tongue and says, yeah, I'm going to fix that too. And this man wasn't blind. He could see. And so he saw Jesus look up to heaven. That's where your healing is going to come from, come from the one true God. Jesus let him know in a very kind way, treated him with more compassion than he probably ever experienced in his life. Most likely, most people had just tried to avoid him. Handicapped person, stay away. Or maybe they had made fun of him, but not Jesus. Then Jesus healed him. He did it with his word, with the power of his word, with the power of one word, epitha. English, it means be opened. And the Bible says the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Everyone recognized what a wonderful miracle this was. He could not only hear, not only hear but he could speak plainly. No therapy needed. As you review all the miracles of Jesus and those who were done in Jesus' name by the apostles, that's a hallmark isn't it? When Jesus and the apostles healed, when they had the power to heal from from God directly, 
It was immediate. It was complete. Peter healed a, a man in the temple courts who had been lame from birth. Never knew how to walk in his life. And as soon as he was healed, we're told he jumped up and walked. Even though he never knew how to walk. Immediately. Same thing here. This man could speak immediately, plainly, clearly, even though he had never learned to speak that way before. Didn't have therapy, no therapy needed. Today we're amazed when someone who's had a an accident and the doctors come and say you're you're probably never going to walk again but then after months or maybe even years of working hard and, and therapy they walk maybe with a limp but they walk and we say that's a miracle and certainly God's hand was part of it wasn't that was a blessing from God but it's not the same kind of miracle as that direct miracle that Jesus or the apostles did if we had been there if we had seen This man, unable to speak plainly, all of a sudden, just like that, with one word, able to speak plainly, we would acknowledge that it had to come from God. We would, too, be overwhelmed with amazement, as they were. And people said, Jesus has done everything well. He not only healed the man, but he did it in a very loving and compassionate way. Yet it seems the people didn't understand or really live up to that full meaning of what they confessed. They confessed Jesus has done everything well. They really understand it. When Jesus was about to heal the man who was brought to him who was deaf and unable to speak, he looked up to heaven and he sighed. Mark doesn't explain why doesn't tell us what was going through Jesus' mind. But as you study that word, as it's used other places in the Bible, it's interesting that it's often used, the same word, in connection with a a longing for heaven, a longing to be away from all of the effects of sin, all of the sickness and disease and all the problems of the world. That causes you to sigh, or even, the Bible says, causes the creation to groan we eagerly look forward to the time when those things won't be there anymore. So maybe the reason for Jesus sighing was he was sighing over the effects of sin, how God's wonderful, perfect creation had been so messed up and how the effects of sin, not necessarily the man's personal sins, but the effects of sin in the world had caused him to be unable to hear and unable to speak. Jesus sighed about those things. But he had compassion. Think of all the times in the Bible when Jesus looks out over the crowds that are coming to him. And they're bringing to him people who are sick and diseased and demon-possessed. And he looks out over the crowd and he has compassion on them. His heart goes out to them. He groans, he sighs as he sees how sin has affected people's lives. But more than anyone else, more than us being in that situation... He recognizes something more important. He recognizes their spiritual condition. He recognizes their need for a Savior, their need for forgiveness. Jesus sighed, maybe because he was saddened, like we said, with the 
way that sin is affecting this wonderful world that God had created, but it also might have had to do with what he knew was going to happen. As true God, he knew what would happen when he healed this man. He knew that the majority of the crowd would be focusing on the wrong thing. Yes, he provided a wonderful, miraculous healing that led the people to think that, well, yeah, he's probably the Messiah. At least he's from God and he's doing everything well. But they wouldn't put their confession into action. They would just focus on the outward. They would rejoice that here was someone who had come in contact with them who could take care of all of their problems. Any sickness or disease, he could just say, be healed and they'd be healed. Take care of all their physical needs. But like so many who maybe want to go to a faith healer in the world today, they forget something. They're so focused on the outward, the desire to have that momentary sickness or disease healed that they forget about even if they were healed in their body, their body still is going to grow old and eventually it's going to wear out. And sooner or later, like everyone else, they're going to have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The crowd wouldn't realize, at least most of them, that Jesus didn't come primarily to heal temporary illness, to do that temporarily. But he came to make sure that when our bodies do wear out, we do stand before the throne of God, that we won't be cast out of his presence forever. In order to make sure that that doesn't happen, that we aren't cast out from God's presence forever, Jesus had to come to earth and do everything well. He had to fulfill God's will perfectly, keep all of God's commandments perfectly. He had to do everything well. Whether they realized it or not, the crowd was agreeing with the Father had said from heaven, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased because he's doing everything well, everything perfectly. He was tempted in every way just as we are, and yet he did everything well all the time. He remained without sin because he did. He was able to take on himself the things that we don't do well. He was able to take upon himself the punishment we deserve for our sins punishment we deserve for those times when we, like the crowd, get focused only on the outward, only on the bodily, only on the physical, and we kind of put in the background the more important needs, the needs of our soul. Jesus paid for every one of those sins, for all of our sins. And the Father showed that he accepted Jesus' payment for our sins by raising him from the dead on the third day. Crowds praised Jesus and said he did everything well, but when Jesus commanded them not to tell anybody, I guess they didn't think that was a good thing, right? They disagreed with the one they just said, you do everything well, well, except this one thing, Jesus, telling us to be quiet. We don't think that's good. We think we know better. So it says... The more Jesus told them not to tell, the more they did just the opposite and kept telling people. Now, our first reaction to that is, 
to be pretty judgmental. Say, how could you do that? Boy, you're standing right there. Jesus did this wonderful miracle right before your eyes, and he told you, don't tell, and you just go do the opposite. Now, often isn't that a picture of us, huh? We confess the same thing, don't we? Jesus does everything well. He did everything perfectly. He still does. He is God. He's holy. Everything he says, everything he does, everything he tells us is perfect. And yet, how often don't we think, yeah, but except for this thing, Jesus, that, that's not quite right. I, I think I know better. I'm going to do something else, something different than what you told me. And Jesus gives to us is really just the opposite of the one he gave to those people in the Decapolis. He told them to be quiet. He tells us not to be quiet, right? He tells us to preach the gospel, to proclaim who he is and what he's done to, to everybody all the time. And we confess Jesus does everything well, and so that's a good command, that's something we want to do, and yet... Like those people, we often do the opposite. We stay quiet when we should speak. When the perfect opportunity is there right before us, we know Jesus is saying, share the good news of Jesus with them, and, and well, we focus on the outward. Yeah, but what if? What if they get angry? What if they won't listen? What if? So we say, Jesus, you do everything well, and what you tell me to do here is a good thing, but I'm going to do just the opposite. Jesus sighed. He knew what was going to happen when he healed that man who was brought to him. He knew that the crowds would tend to focus on the wrong thing. He knew that when he told them to be quiet, he, they were going to do just the opposite and tell everybody. He knew what effect that might have on his ministry, that people would be focusing too much on the wrong thing, looking at him just as an outward healer instead of the Messiah, the Savior for their souls. He knew that if they proclaimed what he had done, his enemy's anger would be incited against him and his, his ministry would be more difficult. He knew all those things in advance, and yet what did he do? He healed him anyway. Professor Deutschlander wrote this. In all of God's gifts to us, he runs the risk that we will love the gift more than the giver. We won't put him first. Yet he gives it anyway in grace. He can't stop giving. What a gracious God we have. As it was with the people who witnessed this miracle, he knows that one minute we'll confess that he does everything well, and the next minute... We'll think we know better and do just the opposite. He knows that when he gives us the forgiveness of sins, we'll be tempted at least at times to, to use that as an excuse to sin or to take it for granted. And yet what does he do? He gives us his word anyway. He gives us his forgiveness anyway. Because he knows without those things, we'd have no chance of salvation. Jesus restored this man's ability to hear and to speak. Jesus has given to you and to me the ability to hear and to speak, not just so that we could enjoy music. It's a good thing. 
Not just so that we could have a nice conversation with our friends about the weather or about football or about the crops. Those are fine. But he's given us the ability to hear and speak so that we would hear his word. As we're reminded that he's done everything well in our place, that he's our savior from sin, that we wouldn't be quiet, that we'd share that good news with as many as possible. Jesus has done everything well, and because he has, we look forward to that time when no one is going to be deaf, when no one is going to be lame, when everyone who is with Jesus in heaven with us is going to be using their lips to give praise and thanks to God for all eternity. Amen. Please stand.